listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 122. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Sam Bakhtiar, world-class bodybuilder, entrepreneur, and founder of the Camp Transformation Centers, to discuss his mindset on how he developed the discipline to completely transform his life. Sam shares raw details of his journey to success, and he doesn't hold back on what it takes to transform your life. He believes that the entrepreneur that is willing to be vulnerable and do uncomfortable tasks will achieve true transformation. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals, the mass suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The mass suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sport specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the mass suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm I'm super excited to talk to you about your mindset as an entrepreneur, but just your journey that you've been on, uh, your journey of success in many different ways that you've experienced it. So I'm just really excited to to kind of get inside your mind, have you crack open your chest a l- little bit for my my listeners to hear your story. So super excited to have you on my show. Well, it's a, it's an honor, Grant. Thank you so much, man, and and thank you for having me on your show. Awesome. Well, let's let's uh, start it off with one of my favorite topics, which is uh, being mentally tough or mental toughness. And I can only imagine throughout your whole career, uh, you've actually had to hone into this skill, and I'm sure you've had a, a lot of mental toughness or mentally tough times. But when you think about being mentally tough as an entrepreneur, what does that mean to you? For me, uh, being mentally tough means that you set a goal. You set a plan, and you execute the plan no matter how you feel. See, a lot of people, you know, they set goals, they set plans, and they execute for maybe a day or two until things get uncomfortable, until, until things get tough, until they have a weak moment, until, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden, man, they don't feel like it, doing it one day. You know, and that's the difference between somebody who's mentally tough and somebody not, or somebody who's going to, you know, set their goals and achieve their goals, and somebody who's just going to dabble around and not, not get anywhere in life. You know, and um, I always said, your goals and your ambition, you know, have nothing to do with your, the, the way you feel. You know, so you got to have the same enthusiasm, same energy, and then execute your plan every single day, no matter how you feel. 
Do I, do I feel like getting up every morning at 3 o'clock to be at the gym at 4 a.m.? No, I don't. <laughs> not, not in the past 25 years. You know, not one day did I get up, including today. Not one day did I get up and say, oh, it's 3 a.m. I can't wait to jump out of the bed and go, you know, drive to the gym and work out and, and, and lift all this heavy weight and squat this weight and, and do cardio. No, I want to do that shit. But I have goals. I have plans. And, and what's so important for everyone listening to this, for you to, for you to build self-esteem, for you to be able to, uh, you know, have confidence in life, you got to stick to the big mouth promises that you make to yourself. If you make promises to yourself and you don't keep it, that's the fastest way for you to shatter your self-esteem, shatter your self-worth, and tell yourself you don't want to bounce to nothing. But the best way to, to build self-confidence is to win every single day, is to put a plan together and execute that plan to perfection. I, I love it. And, and, you know, and I preach this all day, but and you're preaching it right now. You don't have to feel good to perform well. And... And and that's where the mental toughness comes in, and that's where the mindset comes in, and you know, and the commitment and discipline. Like, trust me, I'm I'm changing my whole my whole morning reg- regiment now, where I'm waking up not at, not three in the morning, but a lot earlier than I used to, and um, it sucks. But you know what? Once you once you get there, when you get in your seat, you get to the gym, you get to where you want to go. Man, that's uh, that's the hardest part, getting there. And then, man, when you're there, you just uh, you just go. Um, so you make some super valid points. Now, with all the things that you've done in your career, now I know that there, I can only imagine how many mental toughness or mentally tough times you had to go through, but is there a specific time within your career where you can actually share with my listeners where you had to be mentally tough? Yeah, but there's two times that really, really knocked me down hard. You know, the, the, the first time was when the recession hit us in 2008 and you know everything everything went south and if you know my story you know my biggest why my biggest why is to be able to provide a good life for my family and and my my children and so when 2008 hit and and all of a sudden man everything went down south and and, and nobody was buying anything the the, the, the greatest recession of our country you know business went, went, went bad you know I have no money in the bank I had a mortgage. I couldn't pay the mortgage. I was getting, you know, foreclosure notices on the house. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my wife then was pregnant with our first child, you know, six, seven months pregnant, and we have no money. And now, like that, I lost my why. You know, my why got shattered. I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, and I was really, really depressed. I didn't really know what, what to do. But here's the choices when you are in adversity. You have really have two choices. You know, when the adversity presented, the first choice is to complain, to blame, and to retreat and use the circumstances and people, whatever, and say, because of this and because of that, because of she, because of he, you know, you know, I am where I am. And become an older, become an old, better man or woman because of it. We've seen all of them. We see people who are like, you know, blaming circumstances, blaming people. 20, 30, 40 years after it's done. That's, 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 that's the first way. The second way is for you to, you know, have a little pity party, feel a little bad, feel a little sad, it's normal, but then get up and say, okay, well, I got to do something. I, I can't just fish and complain the rest of my life. So what am I going to do about it? Put a plan together and, and, and execute the plan 
And sooner or later, when you just keep going and keep going and keep going, you're going to have a breakthrough. Sooner or later, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. You know, uh, and, and, and I always tell, you know, when I'm having a really, really bad day, when, I, when everything is going south, when, I, when, I, when I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I, you know, I, I can't win. You know, if I need it. What I do is I order a large Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> you know, I watch, two net, I, I watch two Netflix movies. I go to bed early, and the next day I'm like, okay, back to work. Pity party's over. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean, I mean that, that, that's as far as my pity party's going to go. I'm going to take a half a day, eat, eat a large Hawaiian pizza, you know, a couple of movies. Okay, we're good. Pity party's over, man. Time to move on. I'm not going to have a pity party for 20 years or 10 years or two weeks. Not, not even a week. Yeah. You got you to keep moving. Totally. Yeah, and you know, that, that for me at least, uh, and I'm not going to go into my story, but it resonates with me because I... I more ways than one, it looked at different ways, but it, I had a pity party for almost two decades because of a Corinthian injury in, uh, when I played football. And, um, and, and I'm done with that pity party. And it feels, I mean, man, when you, when you get back in, engaged with your why, man, it's so freeing. It's so, um, y- you feel like, you know, you're back on a path. Uh, you have purpose. And, uh, and man, I've been there. So when you were speaking to that, I was like, "Yep, I've experienced those things for sure." We all experience things, man. You know, look, man. In life, you are either in a problem, just left a problem, or headed towards one. Okay, <laughs> you know. So, so, so there is no in and out about it. You're gonna have issues. You're gonna have problems every single day. There's things that you have. But let me ask you a question: How sweet would life be without obstacles? How sweet would that be? Right. It wouldn't be sweet. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want a life that has no challenges. Exactly. You know, I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want a life that has, oh, my God, I can get up and everything's just like, oh, this is perfect. You know, that's just like, I want a challenge. Just like I go, every morning I, get, I go to the weight room. I don't want to do a weight that I can always do. Let me put, my, put, put something that maybe challenges me a little bit. Let me push myself a little bit more when I'm, when, when I'm doing my cardio. I don't want to just walk 2.0. Let me let me see, you know, how fast I can run for for a mile. Let me, let's challenge ourselves. Life is all about challenges. If you don't have any challenges in life, you'll be depressed. Trust me. Mm. I, I'm with you, man. We, we we need we need challenges. That's how you grow. You know, you, you can't. You know, I mean, it's, you can't you can't grow feeling comfortable. And when you're talking about like having no obstacles, to me, that's that's my vacation. That's what I want my vacation to look like, but not my life, you know? 100%. Totally. Now, you know, in the last five, ten minutes, I mean, you've, you've given me and my listeners a lot of cool nuggets, and I, I can get a feel of your, of your mindset and how you go about, you know, achieving success and your goals. But how would you describe your mindset, and how, how much has it changed over time? since you've experienced a lot of great success? Well, you know, at a very young age, my mom told me, Sam, you can do whatever you want or be whatever you want as long as you're willing to work hard for it. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. And for most cases, I try to, you know, I try to play in the NBA, but obviously that just didn't work because I just didn't have what it took to be in the NBA. I'm five foot five and I'm a Persian. <laughs> you know, so I don't have the athletic ability or, or, 
or never would have an athletic ability. You know, just like a, a Volkswagen can't be a Porsche. It can be a great Volkswagen. I can never beat a Porsche. Right. You know, you know, it, 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 you know, it's that. So, so I believe that for most things in life, you know, uh, if you're willing to pay the price, you can achieve anything. You can achieve whatever you want. The problem is most people don't want to pay the price. The second, as I got older, you know, you know, I still have the same mindset. I still have the same drive, but now my focus has changed. It's no longer about me making more money, making more things because I'm comfortable. Now for me is okay. Does this make, but does this business decision worth taking time away from the family? Is this business decision the best thing for my family? Because for me, my number one priority is spend as much time with the family and be for them. Number two is provide for them. And number three is stay healthy so I can do number one and two. Right. Absolutely. And what did you realize that, like, you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, what what was that point where you were like, I'm going to dedicate myself to my goals um, I mean, was that, was that a moment before you even had your family? Like, walk me through that. What, what motivated you? See, I think most people are, are doing this all wrong. You know, I was never raised to become an entrepreneur. I was never raised, you know, to be a businessman. You know, it just happened. You know, and the, the way it happened is because I mastered my craft. You know, I mastered my craft. I had something value to bring to the marketplace. You know, you know I, I mastered transformation. I mastered nutrition. I mastered training. You know, I mastered, you know, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, you know, uh, biochemistry. So once I mastered that and I, and I applied it to my own body, became the first bodybuilder in history to have a first place out in every single weight class and started working as a personal trainer and getting my clients phenomenal results. You know, then I'm like, well, I can make a business out of this. Why don't I just open up a business and help people transform lives? And most people right now are, we have a bunch of entrepreneurs in this world. They go out there and say, what can I make money on? And, but they really haven't mastered anything. We have a bunch of people on social media. Let me grow your account. They have 50 followers themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you have a bunch of people telling you how to make money, but they're broke. We have a bunch of people talking, you know, you know, you know, talking about, you know, you know, life coaching, but their life is fucked up. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, so, so, so before you, you know, you take an entrepreneur journey, before you say, you know, you, I, I want to become an entrepreneur, master fucking craft, master something, become the best at something, you know, you know, you know bring value to marketplace. Because there's too many phonies, too many people, too many money, money grab quick schemes out there right now, you know, because with the internet world, you can be whoever you want. We didn't have Instagram back then. We didn't have, you know, uh, you know, Facebook, and we don't have all the social media, you know. Back then, man, you had a Polaroid picture. I took Polaroid pictures with my before and after pictures. That's how I marketed it. You know, you know, you know, we, there, there was no cell phone that take pictures back then. There, there was none of that, right. you know, so I had to master my craft. I couldn't, I couldn't make shit up, you know. Um, so for those of you guys listening and, and you want to make money, well, guess what? You got to master a craft. Bill Gates, master the craft. Steve Jobs, master a craft. You know, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos, master the craft. They ate dirt. They ate shit. And they finally, you know, learn how to actually optimize it and, and, and provide value. The way you get paid on life is proportional to, to the problem you solve, the value you bring to the marketplace. A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. You're what, what I call is the success gospel right there, man. You're preaching that. And, uh, and I love that. Now, I know you brought up some stuff 
early in your career about you know, being mentally tough and, and moments where you had to be mentally tough. But when you reflect on your career, and I call these mental wins and, and your biggest mental fail. So like share with me like what was your your when you think about like the the biggest win, but it was because of your mental game or your mindset. Like what was that and what was your biggest mental fail and how'd you overcome it? Oh bro, let me first talk about the mental fail. Um you know, that that really changed my life. And everything that you fail on, like I said, like the wind, man, I don't even remember the wind. There's so many winds, but I never learned anything from them. You know, um, but the mental fail was when I was a junior in college. I was getting ready for Mr. Pittsburgh Bodybuilding Championship. I was taking 18 units at Penn State. I was working 30 hours as a personal trainer. I was working 16 hours as a bouncer. And I, like I said, I was getting ready for a bodybuilding show. So that means I had to meal prep and go grocery shopping and all that kind of stuff. So one night I would just get overwhelmed. I couldn't think no more. I was dieting really hard. You know, I just had a weak moment. I started like thinking like I'm going to pass out. I was stressed out with all the tests that I had going on. So I just said, you know what? F it. I'm just going to go on a binge. And it was two weeks before the Mr. Pittsburgh Bodybuilding Championship. I went on and I had some donuts, a burrito, a pizza, a bagel. You know, some ice cream. I came home. <laughs> I came home, passed out on the on, on my on my bed. I woke up next morning with peanut butter all over my face, um, and I woke up just crying, man, crying. I was so disappointed in myself. I was so disappointed in myself, man. I was like, man, Sam, you're such a fucking loser. You can't even stick to your own word. You can't stick to your diet. You're two weeks away from you know the, you know the the biggest show on the East Coast. You know, you might as well just drop out. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be a good bodybuilder because you don't have the discipline to stick to your goals, stick to your plan. You might as well just not even be a bodybuilder. So, you know, after like ten weeks of preparation, I just decided I'm I'm gonna drop out of the bodybuilding show because you know I cheated one time on, on my on my uh, on my diet. So then, for two weeks I was depressed. I just like you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna go out there and eat whatever I want. I, I went out there. I benched for two weeks. You know and so I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to the bodybuilding show as a spectator. I'm not gonna compete, so I'm gonna be as a spectator. So I'm gonna as a spectator, bro. I sat in the front row and noticed that even after eating two weeks of worth of junk, if I would have entered the bodybuilding show and just believed in myself, mm -hmm. I would have still won my division. And at that time I realized, man, nobody beat me. The only person that beat me was me. I was so worried that, oh, my God, everybody's going to be so much better than me. So I decided not to show up because I had one setback. And then I beat myself mentally. And I told myself, never again. If somebody's going to beat me on that, on that stage because somebody was just better than me, not because somebody prepared better than me, you know, because somebody was genetically more superior. Somebody was a Ferrari, you know, and I was a Volkswagen. I can't beat that. But I'm going to bring the best Volkswagen on stage. And if somebody was better, they were just better. It wasn't because, you know, I didn't do my homework. And that to me after that was the basis of me becoming that first bodybuilder in history to have that those titles. Because I brought my best package on stage. I did every single minute of cardio. I did every, you know, I ate every single one of my proteins, you know, did, did every single one of my workout. And when I stepped on stage um, at Mr. USA in 2005, I was going up against Phil Heath. Wow. Eight-time Mr. Olympia. Yeah. 
and look, when, when I looked at him, when I looked at Phil, I looked at him like, dude, there's nothing I could have done to beat him. There's no cardio I could have done. There's no weight I could have lifted. Yeah. I, I just needed, I, the only thing I could have done was had had born with different parents. The guy was just a genetic freak, you know, and, and at my best day, I could have beat him at his worst day. So I was, and I, and I, and I was like, you know what? I'm good losing to him, you know? But the worst thing is for you to, to get on stage or, or be prepared for something, knowing that you didn't do your homework and somebody who was not as good as you beat you because they did their homework, because now that's your fucking fault. Yep. You know, so, so I would say the biggest mental win for me was when, you know, after the recession, uh, I worked so hard to, to be able to, you know, turn things around. And I neglected, you know, my my ex-wife now. Um, and then she, you know, back then we were married. I was home, I was I worked one day. I served divorce papers because like I, I was just too busy trying to make ends meet after that recession. And I literally, you know, that was the biggest that was the biggest depressive moment of my life because because now not only that you know I just got done be, done being broke, I started making a little bit of money. Um, now I lost my family. You know, and for me, as you know, that's my number one priority, you know, spending time with the family. Yeah. So, so I told myself, I said, what am I going to do? Am I going to go out and do what I did in my 20s where I go, you know, drinking and go chasing women, go, you know, go to the clubs and all that kind of stuff? And I told myself, you know what? No, 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 no. I remember in my 20s, whenever I went to the nightclub, there was always that old dude in the club. There's always that one creepy old dude in the club, you know? And I told myself, no, no, I'm not going to be that one creepy dude one day. <laughs> After a certain point, man, no club, no club. No, you know? Right. So, so at, 40, at 40 years of age, I didn't want to go to the club and be that one creepy old dude, right? So what I did was, all right, I'm like, every second that I wasn't with the girls, I worked. And we were, you know, the camp had about six or eight locations at that time. And then in the next six years, we built it to 120 locations. That's what it is right now. So my biggest mental mental focus, mental win was to be able to to be able to block out the devastation and just go to work. I love that, and thank you for those two those two stories. You know, your mental uh, fail. You know, this is really easy easier said than done, but you know, it's so powerful, especially within your story, when when you're at your weakest moment whatever that looks like whatever that feels like you get in a situation where you get you're listening to your thoughts and as soon as you listen to your thoughts like i'm overwhelmed i i want to binge i'm not good enough whatever the that that narrative is you put yourself in actually in a situation where you put yourself in the effect of your thoughts and your words and it's really easy for me to say this being a mental performance coach but you need to in that moment talk to it you need to put yourself back into power empower yourself and talk to those thoughts but when you don't you become in the effect and then you make bad decisions which now again yes you made the bad decision in that moment but that actually that was just that was a blessing in disguise right i think where there's a crisis there's an opportunity if you allow yourself and you you had to go through that shit but you saw the opportunity and it drove you and fueled your inspiration to come back even stronger yep yep exactly good shit man well in in those stories we talk it I, what i felt and what i heard is vulnerability there's times where you just have to show up in the moment even when it's tough 
So when you think about being a leader, being a CEO, being an entrepreneur, how important is it to be vulnerable? Well, I mean, it's okay to be vulnerable. To me, um, it, it's a double-edged sword, and let me tell you what I mean by that. Everybody's vulnerable, and you have to show vulnerability to the right people. Let me give you an example. You know, when we were going through the recession, did the president come and address address the nation and say, you know what, things are fucked up. We're in the biggest recession ever. You know, we're everybody's losing their homes. Economy is going to tank. Stock market is down. The shit is just fucked up. Be careful. Don't do anything. You know, you know the 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 world's going to end. No, you can't do that. The president has to always show optimism. He has to lead the country and has to show that there's an end to everything. So a vulnerable president wouldn't do very well for the country as far as, you know, bringing confidence to the country. Now, presidents and the closed doors with their with their confidants, with, with, with the right people, he can be vulnerable, but like, dude, I don't, this is crazy. Um, this is messed up. We got to make some changes. I'm worried. You know, I'm really worried for the American people. I'm really worried about how, what this is going to happen. Let's put a plan together and execute. Am I making sense? Totally. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You know, so, so vulnerability, you know, you want to be vulnerable for the right people. You want to be vulnerable we're not, but as a CEO, as a leader, as a leader, you have to always show optimism. You can be vulnerable, but always show optimism. Because vulnerability, if you're not careful, can come up as, oh, my God, you know, he's vulnerable, he's specific, he, 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 <laughs> right. he you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, for, for sure. And not, not to cut you off, but it's like... I think there's all different kinds of vulnerability. Now, some people just say, you know, vulnerability is vulnerability. But I think when when you when you look in the workplace, um, like you're saying, you have to know your audience. You have to know the people that when you're going to be actually vulnerable about how you feel, your emotions, your thoughts, you got to know your audience. And and that's just my perspective because I spent 17, almost 20 years in corporate America. But I also spent a lot of years playing sports and coaching sports and I think vulnerability in an athletic perspective is the same thing. You got to know your audience. But what about the vulnerability with your play? Meaning that what if you've been failing in a game, no matter what that sport is, but you've been failing. You haven't, you know, your shot's off. And, and you're 0 for 8. And the ball's in your hand and it's like a game-winning shot. Are you vulnerable in that moment? Are you going to trust yourself and shoot the ball? Or are you going to, like be stuck in your emotions because how shitty you are and you're telling yourself that like I shouldn't shoot because I've missed the last eight or you're going to trust all your training in that moment and be vulnerable so there's a there's a different kind of vulnerability in that sense but I think it does come it, it there is a trickiness especially um in, I believe in the workplace you got to know your audience so knowing your audience for me I think there's a there's an emotional intelligence so there's the EQ you have to tap into your EQ knowing uh who your audience is. So how important do you think it is to have emotional intelligence within the workplace? Well, emotional intelligence trumps, I, you know, trumps IQ. 
you know what I mean? You know, you know, EQ, you know, it trumps IQ. So, you know, for me, emotional intelligence is everything. You know, you know, it's everything if you want to be successful in life. You know, um, I, I think that if you can't manage your emotions, it's going to be very hard for you to reach any level of success. You know, and, and you've got to be someone who can handle pressure and stay calm under pressure and be able to make decisions under pressure without having your emotions take over your logical brain. Absolutely. You know, and, and you brought up pressure and, and I wanted to dive into that a little bit because you, you don't get, you don't experience the type of success that you've experienced without dealing with pressure. So, <laughs> you know, and you just don't, I mean, and, and what is your relationship with pressure? I mean, it, it, do you embrace it? Is it, um, is it something that you've developed over time? Bro, I love pressure. <laughs> I, love I make it. I make pressure for myself. I put myself in uncomfortable positions. I thrive under pressure. Um, I, I don't like not having pressure because I know that I'm not performing at my absolute best. You know, and a lot of people avoid pressure, but without pressure, without obstacle, how can we get better? How can we evolve? You know what I mean? You know, um, I remember when the little, little time that I was playing basketball, you know, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's not, it's pretty easy to hit a jump shot, you know, when nobody's defending. When you're wide open, there's nobody around, it's easy to, put, to, to hit a jump shot. But how can, can you hit a jump shot when somebody is contesting the shot, somebody's in your face, somebody put a hand in your face? That's a whole different ballgame. That's, that's when you evolve. It's easy to go, to go in a weight room and do a weight that you know you can, you can do, but you're not getting any better. You can, you can lift a can of Coke you know, a thousand times, but you're not taxing your muscle. You're not saying to your body, get better, get stronger. So at all times, you got to apply pressure. And if there's no pressure, create pressure for yourself. Put yourself in uncomfortable positions. You've got to learn to be comfortable when you're uncomfortable. And, I, you know, one of my favorite movies, movie series growing up, and to this day still, is James Bond. You know, and growing up, you know, watching James Bond movies, I love the fact that the guy was always cool under pressure. You know, the guy, they were, they were like shooting at him, the things blowing up, and, you know, there was all these things going up, and the totally. guy was just like, you know, the guy was just like real cool. Nothing bothered him. He stayed focused. He stayed on task. He was smooth. You know what I mean? And to me, when, when, I, look, when I think about, you know, EQ, emotional intelligence, and when I think about, you know, uh, pressure, that's the man I want to be. I don't want to be the guy who's freaking out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Somebody's shooting at me. I want to be that guy who's like totally cool under pressure. Just, just, just get there and just strike when it needs to strike. Totally. Yeah, man, I, I think when it comes to pressure, yeah, I always say pressure is a privilege. And, you know, how, how diamonds, how are they made? By pressure. So let's, you know, let's enjoy or embrace the pressure and shine like diamonds. You know, there's all these cool little sayings that we can say. But I, th I think it's too, it's, it's, it's a point where it's our relationship with pressure. It's how, you know, is pressure negative or, or is it positive? I ask that to athletes and performers all the time. And depending on the demographic and, and who I'm speaking with, a lot of times, especially in the youth, the younger athletes, performers, they'll say it's negative. 
because they don't have a relationship with it. And it's funny because when you think of like the game, you're bringing up the game of basketball, you know, some some players want somebody in front of them. They want that pressure. They want someone's in their face, putting their hand up while they're shooting. But when, and that's pressure. But then when you go to the free throw line, which some athletes are like, man, that's that's the shittiest place to be in that. Talk about pressure. And I'm like, why? It's the easiest shot on the court. You don't have anybody in your face. It's just you in the basket. Nothing's changed with the rim. Nothing's changed with the ball. The only thing that's changed is, is maybe what you're thinking with that pressure is, but it's the easiest shot. You have, you have no pressure unless you think it's pressure, right? So yeah. I think pressure, it's a... I love it. I embrace it, man. I, I think the more people that are elite, more people that are very successful, they just have a very healthy relationship with pressure. And I think that relationship is built over time. So you talked about some of the like entrepreneurs and people that want to make money and some of the things that, that they fall short on. Um, but when you think about blind spots... Like what, what, what's a typical blind spot that you see entrepreneurs or CEOs deal with as of today? What, what do you exactly mean by blind spot? People, things that they don't see coming? Yeah. Or they, they don't see coming or they're so self-focused or so about their agenda They're It's, you know, me before we type thing. And they just, they're, they're not seeing the full picture. And I call this reading the defense. They're not reading the full defense. They're, yeah, they're, they're just not Got seeing it. some of the need, some Got stuff they need to address. I, I would say in this day and age, you know, what a lot of, um, especially, especially like older CEOs, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, they don't see that culture, company culture trumps everything. You know, Trump's marketing, Trump's sales, Trump's everything else, because with our culture, with our company culture, you really don't have anything. And this is something that's pretty new to this day and age where we used to be in an industrial age where people report to the factory, everybody had a specific job, show up at a specific time and do a specific task. And, you know, come do your job, shut up and, and, and get paid and go home. You know, and right now, if you want to build a real business, you got to build it with the right people and with the right culture and with the right company vision you know, and mission statements. Without that, man, you know, you know, with this day, day and age, without having the right company culture and, and making sure everybody is on the same page as far as that culture is concerned, it's going to be hard to, to build a real business. Absolutely. And you know what? It's, and maybe in well, I will in the future. Um, I'll get you back on the show because I, one of my favorite things to talk about is culture. You know how do, how do you build it? How do you sustain it? How do you protect it? Um, and and I know what you've done, the business that you have grown. I mean, it's you have to pay attention to the culture for it to to grow and have success like it has. So I'm, yeah. we're going to be talking about that in the future for sure. Now, before we we close up here. Um, Two questions here. When you reflect on your whole career, what do you think that you've learned the most about yourself? When I reflect on my whole career, you know, I've learned that, um, that I used to be an angry person. I used to be very angry. I used to be uh, angry. I don't know why. I think maybe because, you know, going back, 
you know, my dad left us. We struggled. And I was just, you know, you, you couldn't talk to me without me being angry at something. And, um, and I've learned that. I, I've learned that that's not going to do nothing but hinder you. You know, going around being pissed off at things and being pissed off at circumstances and being, being mad at the world is not going to do any good for your future. So whatever was in the past, you got to bury it from the past. You have to learn it. And you got to start new and say, okay, you know what? You know, I'm going to start with gratitude. I'm going to be, you know, grateful. No matter who you are, I don't care if, you, uh, if you're broke, your wife just left you, your business just went bankrupt. You know, guess what? You still have your arms. You still have your limbs. There's always something to look for in, 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 in a tough time. And once you master being grateful in life and understand that you're not a victim, that there are people that would give, there, there are people that would give whatever to be in your shoes. Then you understand that, you know, that you just have to move forward and be grateful. And whatever gratitude exists, fear cannot. Ah, it's huge. That's, that's huge. And, you know, it's, it's so funny that in my life, um, you know, as I play a, a bigger game with my life, and that's kind of been my theme is playing a bigger game. The last 60 years or so, it's, it's all been gratitude, man. And it's like, I was not grateful for almost two decades for a lot of different reasons, but man, and I've had shitty things happen to me, awesome things, now that I think about it, but it, it's the gratitude, and, and I don't want to be cliche here, but it, you know, my attitude is my gratitude, and that has changed my life. That's the basis of, of to me, how I, my, it's my, my paradigm, it's how I view things now from a, from a grateful perspective. Um, it's freaking hard, man. When you're going through this shit, when you're in the midst of all that darkness, but but guess what? You're the only one that can be grateful. No one can be grateful for you. You have to be grateful, and you have to tap into that shit. It's huge. Yeah, absolutely, man. Once absolutely. I started, you know, once I started, you know, being grateful, you know, I um, that's when um, my whole life changed. You know, you know, they say, change your lens, change your life. Change the way you look at things and change your life, man. And 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 nothing is more true than that. Absolutely. Well, when we talk about change, transformation here, um, share with my listeners what the Camp Transformation Centers are all about, man. When I was reading about this, man, I was like, man, this is some pretty cool and powerful stuff. Well, you know, know, transformation is not just physical. You know, transformation first starts with your heart. Then starts with your mind. Then it starts with your physical body. You know, um, transformation starts when, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Mm. See, most people don't want to change. Most people want comfort. But there's a time that comes in your life when staying the same is more painful than making a change. Staying the same is more painful than getting up in the morning and going to the gym. Staying the, staying the same is more painful than getting on a diet. Staying the same is more painful than being broke. Staying the same is more painful than staying the same. You know, um, so uh, 
so that's when the transformation happens. You know, you got to get, you got to get angry. You got to get emotional. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired of whatever your circumstances is, you know? So that's what we call the camp transformation center, because look, if you study the, the, the history of, you know, workout programs or history of gyms, the methodology of gyms are fads. They come and go. You know, one day curves was really hot. Then it died down. One day Pilates was hot. Then it died down. One day we got boot camps and then died down. One day we had CrossFit. Then it, then, then it died down. But the only thing that remains constant for us humans, which, which is why we are at the top of the food chain, we're, we're invented planes, not the dogs. We put a man on the moon. Not the cats, right? You know what I mean. You know, we we invented the automobile, not the elephants. <laughs> you know, we're at the top of the food chain because we have the ability to get better. We have the ability to assess our life and say, "Hey, man, I don't want to. I don't. There's got to be a better way than me being on a horse and 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 takes me thirty days to get to to the East Coast. There's got to be a there's got to be a way for me to to go to the moon. We have that analytical mind that God has given us and, and blessed us with us." So that if you're not using, if you're not transforming yourself, if you're not evolving, then you're disrespecting the creator of you. You might as well well be the German shepherd, my German shepherd. My German shepherd is beautiful. I love him. He's loyal, this and that. But the German shepherd of today is the same German shepherd that was 100 years ago. In 100 years, though, guess what? We have evolved. Look at at all the different technologies. Look at everything that, that we're doing. So... That's why we call it the Camp Transformation Center because the methodology of exercise is going to change. But the mission is always going to stay the same because as humans, we're always evolving. As humans, we're always transforming. And that's the biggest difference. Absolutely. And when these people, when the people that you help, is, what, what are some of the things you guys focus on from a transformation standpoint? Is it, is it just on health and fitness or are there other things that you focus on? When you start transforming your body, you have no choice but to transform your mind, transform your spirit, and transform every aspect of your life. It automatically happens. It happens without you knowing it. Mm-hmm. They're all interrelated. I've had so many people come up to me, Sam, after going through your program, not only I lost weight and got more tone, I have more energy, I feel more better, I have more self-confidence, my relationships are improved. My sex life has, you know, improved. You know, now I'm, I'm seeking more personal development. I want to become a better person. You know, um, I, you know, I apply for a new job. I start a new business. Because basically, when you transform, you overcame obstacles. You overcame adversity. You built some self-discipline. You learned, uh, you learned more about yourself during adversity, which is going to help you in all areas of life. Totally. And you make you make a great point here, and the only reason I'm bringing this up because you know some of some of the transformations that I had to go through, a few of them throughout my life. Um, not only not only did it affect my spirit, my confidence, my heart, my belief system. I mean, all that. But you know what it did? You know, the transformation. What it did for me? It created more emotional space, and more space for me to to have more gratitude, to to have um, to be more vulnerable, to trust myself. To, to tap into more joy, to give my energy, to receive my energy. I mean, all that. It was like, man, especially my last transformation, when I reignited myself and redesigned myself, 
I had more emotional space for other shit because I was so pent up and so pissed off about shit. I couldn't experience things. I couldn't knew stuff that was coming at me because I was so hung up on my baggage. And uh, so the transformation process for me just gave me more emotional space. It's huge. It's huge. Now, what about your podcast, One uh, Percenter? What's that all about? So, the, you know, when I first came out with the term, the One Percenter, you know, everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people were offended. They're like, what do you mean by One Percenter? One Percenter, what do you mean? You know, matter of fact, I had, a, you, know, you know, my first post about the One Percenter, I had a, had a T-shirt made that said, you know, I'm a one percent, ninety nine percent are fat and broke, and oh my god, man, people had a heyday with it. Oh my god, <laughs> you know he thinks he's he he thinks he's better than us because he's rich and because he's ripped and because this and because of that, and those people don't really understand the message. The message is that the message is is, is look, I wasn't rich, I wasn't ripped, I made a decision. I made a decision to do whatever it took to get to where I wanted to go. So 1% is not about you being better than anyone. It's not about you having, you know, the best body or, or, the, or, the, or, or, or money, you know, millions of dollars in your bank accounts. 1%, being a 1% means that whoever is, has a goal and is willing to do whatever it takes to get there and willing to stay focused to get there, that's what 1% is all about. You know, and the 99% represents people who their audio doesn't match their video. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it, man. That <laughs> that I'm using that one. That's a good one. That's a great one. You know, you know what comes up for me though, real quick, is that it's a mindset, and it, and your mindset are based off your choices. And I remember my father, man, incredible human being and coach, but he used to say this stuff to me all the time. He used to say before games. I played football for many years as a quarterback, and he every game, I don't care if it was baseball, basketball, whatever it was, he'd always say, be number one, or you're number one. And it wasn't, the, the, the thing was, you don't have to be, I don't want, his message was not to be the best, it's just be your best, just be number one. And, and that was a choice that I had to make, but, and it wasn't about me trying to be better than everyone, just being my best. And so that's what the one percenter, like when you start talking about that's what came up for me. Yeah, to me, to me, that's what it is. You know, like like I said, my my biggest pet peeve in life is something. You know, I don't I don't judge people. Look, if you want to sit home and watch Netflix all day, smoke weed, and drink malt liquor, then by all means, do it. No big deal. I, I, I'm more powerful. That's what you want to do in life. That's what makes you happy. Do it. But I can't respect somebody who says they want to achieve great things. And they're willing to do whatever it takes for it. And then the next day, they don't fucking show up or don't do it. Yeah. That, to me, is a 99%. You know, it has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with status, has nothing to do with anything. You can be broke, fat, you know, and, and be a one percenter because you set, you set a goal and now you every single day you're busting your ass to get to where you want to go. To me, that's a one percenter. You can be rich have everything in life and have a ripped body and you know because you you were born to parents who had great genetics you know and you you know that you're a trust fund baby and got millions of dollars you're not a one percenter does that make sense so totally, totally. so one percenter is, is, is just is, is just the person who are who 
doesn't like the circumstances, they make a decision, and they're willing to pay the price to get here. Do the hard work, man. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I mean, we got to be smart, but guess what? We got to do the hard work. And, and I you, love hard work. Hell yeah. I love hard work. Big time. It feels good. It feels good to work for that shit, you know? And and, and you're, you're an example of it. And um, and I want people to, to understand your story and see, like, what you've done and all the hard work you've done. So, how, like, with that being said, how do, how do my listeners, how do they follow you and connect with you on social media? What's the best way? Well, the best way, you know, oh, you know, is just follow me on Instagram, you know, Sam Bakhtiar, S-A-M-B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. I'm very active on there. And, you know, I actually have, you know, a community cell phone, you know, that people can text me if they, you know, want to, like a more intimate question or they want to, you know, um, you know, reach out to me, which is 909-200-4015. That's 909 and they can text me directly, and I, you know, twice a day I, I go in and I text people back. I love communicating, you know, generally one-on-one with people through text. That's awesome, man. That's really cool of you. That's awesome. Sam, thank you so much for being on my show, sharing your thoughts, your energy, your journey, man. It's um, It was really a treat, man, and I really appreciate uh, everything you've said on my show today. Brother, I appreciate you, man. It's an honor. And, and, and please, you know, stay in touch and let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it.